Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for the first County Championship review show of 2023. You all know him, you all love him. It is, of course, up and coming cricket journalist, Mr. Kieran McCarthy. So, Kieran, first things first, mate. Hope you've had a nice Easter. Nice bank holiday weekend as well. The weather has been absolutely superb down here in the West Midlands. So I hope that you've had as good a weekend as I have, mate. I've got to ask, how has your day been? Um, it would have been slightly better had Yorkshire not lost. Um, but, of course, being a journalist, I am objective and I do not care about these things. Therefore, yeah, I can't, I can't complain. <laughs> but deep down, the inner Yorkshireman's a little bit disappointed. I can tell, Kieran. I wonder if it was the same with Warwickshire. But luckily for the Bears fans, that wasn't this week, as we shall discuss in due course, because the opening round of the county championship in 2023 has come and gone. And what an extraordinary round of crickets we have had the pleasure of watching across England and Wales this weekend. And if you can't tell, listeners, I'm absolutely elated. I love this time of year. It's spring. The weather's quite nice. It's not massively warm, but cricket's back. And that is all that matters. And I hope that each and every single person tuning in today has had as good of an Easter as I have, because it's a great time of year. It really is. And for those who don't quite know how the review shows actually work, maybe for the newer listeners out there today, essentially, we just go through game by game, division by division, and then we will look ahead to next week's fixtures to conclude today's episode. But Kieran, I say that for the opening review show of 2023, we just jump straight in because we've got plenty to talk about, plenty of incredible performances to discuss. And what better place to start than with the first results of the 2023 county season, which saw Hampshire beat Nottinghamshire by eight wickets at the Aegeus Bowl. Now, not to win the toss, and opted to have a bat first in this game. Now, this appeared to have paid off quite brilliantly in the opening exchanges, as Hasib Hamid and Ben Duckett put on a solid 42-run stand for the first wickets. However, this is where a certain Mohamed Abbas came to the forefront, dismissing the latter in the middle of the 12th over to disrupt the Nottinghamshire momentum and essentially flip this innings on its head. Ultimately, Nottinghamshire being bowled out for 185 runs with Mohamed Abbas taking an absolutely extraordinary 6 for 49 from 15.3 overs. And Kieran, before we get into Hampshire's batting and we discuss the rest of this game, we simply have to discuss Mohamed Abbas because he was excellent for Leicestershire, made the move to Hampshire a couple of seasons ago. And let's be honest, he has been absolutely brilliant for the Rose and Crown. How would you describe his performances on the South Coast this week? Uh, yeah, it, take, taking a six for first innings of the season, you can't really argue with that. Um, and with the rest of the seam attack as well, obviously we, we spoke about how how strong that is uh, in the in the uh, Div One preview show, and it just showed in this game. Um, obviously, he was the the focal point of, of the attack, taking a six for and then a three for I think it was in the uh, in the not second innings, um, but or the entire seam attack basically just showed showed their strength and and yeah he he was the focal point and and a really dominant performance after um losing the toss 
It really wasn't. Yeah, Mohamed Abbas, if you can't tell, <laughs> he really is one of my favourite seam bowlers to watch in county cricket. Not when, not when your team's playing against him. He's a nightmare to face. But in terms of as a, a cricket enjoyer, as an appreciator of the art of swing bowling, Mohamed Abbas really is the Picasso when it comes to the in-swinger in particular. That guy knows how to bowl at Duke's ball. And to be honest, the rest of the Hampshire attack were pretty impressive as well. That Nottinghamshire team, we mentioned this in the Division 1 preview show, a real strength of theirs in Division 2 last year was the batting. And yet in that first innings, they didn't seem to fire at all. Now, fair enough, the likes of, of Joe Clark, he scored 47 runs from 77 balls in this particular innings. Tom Moore scored a pretty good 49 out from 82. But aside from that, the next best score, Ben Duckett's 24. So a real, real tough start to the season with bat in hand for Notts, wasn't it, Kieran? Yeah, but I mean, you, they've sort of not had a, deep, a great start in that you're playing against Hampshire, who have one of the best seam attacks in the country. Um, having watched some of the wickets that, that Mohamed Abbas took, he was he was on good form. Um, and the, there's that many options in Hampshire's seam attack that it, it sort of, if one doesn't get you, another one will. So I think first game of the season, it, it's not an easy, uh, an easy team team to face, and and they would hope that against teams that that maybe don't have as many options uh, with with seam up bowling, they, they they would hopefully you know do a little bit better. But um, yeah, it's uh, I wouldn't say it's a worry that that nobody's really really got anything at this point uh, because obviously it's one game, but. Yeah, I think it's it's more the fact that Hampshire were just good with the ball rather than not being particularly bad with the bat. Absolutely. To be honest, I would agree with that. And we can't make wild statements, you know, about any team, to be honest, on this week's show, at least, because it's the first game of the season. And let's be honest, there will be some rust. That'll be across the across the entire county circuit with both the bat and ball in hand. But yeah, Notts will definitely be looking to improve the batting as the season does progress. But I think it really is a testament to the sheer strength of that Hampshire seam attack that Keith Barker, who's been an integral pillar of that Rose and Crown seam attack now for the past three seasons, went wicketless in that first innings, and yet they still dismissed that strong Nottinghamshire batting lineup for less than 200 runs. An excellent performance, to say the least, from the Rose and Crown in Southampton this week. And talking of people who really impressed me from a Hampshire perspective this week, Kieran, one of the newcomers to this Hampshire side in 2023. We saw him in the One Day Cup in 2022, but Fletcher Middleton, Fletcher Middleton, a fantastic start to life at the Hampshire top order, 59 from 113. Kieran, a few words on Fletcher's performance because this really was a pivotal innings. When you look at the rest of the Hampshire batting lineup, the next highest score was 31 from Ian Holland. So you think about those, those early season runs first and foremost, but in particular, at a low-scoring venue like the Aegeus Bowl, it's important to get that first innings lead. So how do you summarise and articulate Fletcher Middleton's batting performance on the yeah, South Coast this a week? Good, a good start to a first-class first, first career, uh, a pair of 50s on, on, on the first game of the season. Um, and as you say, there, there wasn't there, there were a few contributions, definitely in the first innings, a few 20s and 30s from a, a few people that got starts. But for, for someone as, as young as he is to... To hit 50 first innings and then and then follow it up with another one second innings. Um, it looks like he's really going to tie their their batting lineup together, and that was something again that we mentioned about Hampshire and the um, the Division One preview show that their 
sort of not that the batting is uh, light, but it, it's not at the same level as the um, bowling attack. And if you've got an opener uh, who's that young, who's going to put in performances like that, then you know the people down the order that are getting starts, that's going to give them more confidence because there's going to be r- more runs on on the board already. So a, a great start to a to a first class career for him, yeah. It most certainly was, and you do have to tip your cap to Fletcher Middleton because the Aegeus Bowl is notorious for being a very, very difficult place to open the batting. And we've mentioned Knotts' strength in the same department in the preview show, but on, on paper with the likes of Ollie Stone, Luke Fletcher, Dame Patterson, all three of those bowlers took three wickets in that first inning. So a fantastic performance on first-class debut from Fletcher Middleton, ultimately taking Hampshire up to 231 all out by the end of their first innings and giving them a pretty sizable 46-run lead to take into Nottinghamshire's second innings. Now, this is where I want to talk about my next point, Kieran, because in this innings, Notch yet again got off to a really good start. So Hamid and Duckett put on a 50 partnership within the first 11 overs. But then, and this has been the case so many times in Southampton, one breakthrough caused two, and then the rest of the of the batting order simply collapsed. So in this instance, it was Keith Barker, the man I mentioned earlier, he got the wicket of Hasib Hamid for 27 runs. And then shortly after, it was Ben Duckett, just 10 overs later, falling for 51, trapped LBW by Kyle Abbott. Now, after this, aside from Ben Slater, he scored 43. The rest of the Nottinghamshire middle order just did not fire at all. And just someone I had to mention, Aside from Abbas and Barker, I did just allude to him right there, but Kyle Abbott, again, he's a nightmare to face, isn't he, Kieran? I still think back to 2019, 17 for 86. I think it was that he took against Somerset, an extraordinary bowling performance from the South African seamer. Again, you just look at his performances. How good was he on the South Coast this week? Yeah, I mean, I think his he took a fourth or second second knots in it, didn't he? And it, it very much is. If one doesn't get you, the other one will. Um, what is it between sort of a bass and Albert? And then obviously you've got Keith Barker and, and sort of James Fuller, and there's a lot of options with the ball. So you, you sort of like you you look at the scorecard, and you know a bass has taken a six foot. Then you, you look at the next one. A bass took three and then Abbott's taken four it's very much you wouldn't want to face uh Hampshire's bowling lineup at all you certainly wouldn't and we said it didn't we in the preview show dark horses and that is a fantastic start for Hampshire ultimately winning that game by eight wickets pretty convincingly as well it has to be said chasing down the target of 132 runs within the space of 46.2 overs Nick Gubbins Scoring 54 outs and the aforementioned Fletcher Middleton following up his first innings 59 with 65 from 121 in the second. So for Hampshire, a great start to the season. For Knotts, obviously not ideal. It was a poor batting display and I think it's safe to say that they'll improve as the season does go along. But again, opening round, first game of the season, I don't think the alarm bell should be going yet at all for Nottinghamshire fans. But a disappointing start nonetheless and... Yeah, fingers crossed that they can come back strong next week when they take on Somerset on home soil at Trent Bridge. But Kieran, aside then from that game between Nottinghamshire and Hampshire at the Aegeus Bowl, let's stay in the south of England, but let's go to the nation's capital. Let's go to Lords, 
where Essex beat Middlesex by 97 runs at the home of Cricket. Now, Middlesex won the toss and opted to have a bowl first in this game. And Kieran, this gives us a fantastic opportunity to talk about one of county cricket's most revered and arguably most beloved figures, Mr. Toby Rowlands Jones, Middlesex's new captain for the 2023 season. And in that first innings, he was simply unstoppable, wasn't he? Figures of seven for 61. How impressive was that? Yeah, he's sort of followed up last season's, uh, I can't remember exactly how many wicket, what, wickets it was that he took. He took quite a lot, though. And first game back, just same again, no, no difference. A, a really good start for him, yeah. It really was. And to be honest, Essex in their early innings were not doing too well. They lost both Brown and Cook pretty early on. Actually, within the first nine overs, they were 38 for two. But cometh the hour cometh the man, a certain Dan Lawrence, Dan the man, in North London this week, scoring a fantastic 105 from 204 deliveries, 11 fours, two sixes. Again, Kieran, we've spoken about Dan Lawrence on the podcast before, and we all know his talent, and obviously right now, in that England middle order, there's so much competition for places. There really is. He does play that, that more extravagant style of cricket, which Brendan McCullum would like. But in terms of that route back into the England setup, obviously this is just a, a one-off innings, right? But it was a great innings nonetheless when his side needed him. He came to the forefront against a very, very good Middlesex bowling attack. Do you see Dan Lawrence using this particular performance if he can generate some momentum in the championship this season? Maybe being a surprise call-up for England later on this year. Well, yeah, he was in the uh, squad for the New Zealand series, I believe, wasn't he? Um, obviously, hadn't been in since I think it was the West Indies last year. Um, but I, th I believe there was one knock last year as well that he came back from injury and hit hit hundred immediately after that. And to do similar at the start of the season to hit hundred, um, and obviously, as you say, he does play that sort of expansive brand of cricket that England want to play at the moment. Um, obviously there is a lot of competition in the middle order. Harry Brooks not going to be dropped. You wouldn't have thought it looks difficult to drop Ben, ben Folks after this week, but they're going to try and find a way for Johnny Bairstow to get back in. Ben Stokes is going to play because he's the captain. Um, it's going to be tough for him to, to get back in, but obviously he is the sort of the blueprint of the sort of player that England would want in that middle order. So if he can keep putting in performances like that and, and scoring at a rate and playing shots like that, flick for six over extra cover, um, he can certainly uh, stake his claim, yeah. He certainly can. I think for the Ashes, I think that's a bit of a long shot, to be honest, because I, I don't think that England will rush him back in. But again, if we look into the future, Dan Lawrence is a fantastic player to watch. And... We mentioned this from 2022, Essex struggled to get batting bonus points. They had the lowest in the entirety of county cricket, let alone Division 1. So to score a century at Lords against that Middlesex bowling attack, hat off to Dan Lawrence this week. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. As was Matt Critchley. He scored 55. The captain, Tom Wesley, chipping in with 48 as well, as Essex were ultimately dismissed for a very respectable total of 266 runs within 94 overs of their first innings. Now, Kieran, at this stage, the game is pretty evenly poised because Middlesex will be coming out lots of confidence. 
They've they've restricted Essex to less than 300 runs. So they're probably thinking, hmm, hopefully we can score some runs early on, put Essex on the back foot. And <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately for Middlesex, this season got off to an absolute shocker. Um, there's not really many other words I can describe this particular start as other than atrocious, horrendous. I mean, it, it really it defied belief. I couldn't believe what I was seeing when I saw the scorecard. So within the first four overs of Middlesex's county championship campaign, the Saxes were four for four, with none of those runs coming from the bats. It was absolutely surreal, to say the least. Robson dismissed by Jamie Porter for a golden duck. Mark Stoneman dismissed by Sam Cook for a ten-ball duck. Peter Milan, the new signing, dismissed for a two-ball duck. And Stephen Eskenazi dismissed for an eight-ball duck. Four for four within the first four overs, Kieran. What did you make of that? It was utterly unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, and at the time, um, the, so I think Nick Friend from The Cricketer was was reporting on that game and I saw him tweet saying that they were, uh, they, they'd lost four for, you know, pretty much nothing. Um, and he tweeted something like, it, it wasn't so much that the batting was bad, it was more that you can't do anything with that and I have since watched the opening spells of, of Jamie Porter and Sam Cook. And to be honest, I, I can't see a lot that, that the batters could have done differently. Like the, the so one thing that stood out to me was the length that Jamie Porter was bowling, that he was just dropping it on a spot again and again and again. And like I can't see how anybody could have scored runs. Um and usually last season it, it was Sam Cook that was sort of taking taking the plaudits, but Jamie Porter in, in the first innings, um, more so, just absolutely phenomenal. But bowling as a, as a pair, just a fantastic start. It really was. For Essex, it was irresistible, wasn't it? It really was. It was excellent seam bowling. As you mentioned, Jamie Porter. I've got an awful lot of time for Jamie Porter. So unlucky with injuries in the past. At one point, we thought he was going to break through and become an England test cricketer. But I'll tell you what, he's still got it. He really has. And if he stays fit alongside the likes of Sam Cook, alongside Shane Snater, and then obviously you've got the talisman in Simon Harmer, that Essex bowling attack is looking absolutely magnificent in this year's county championship. And to be honest, Kieran, I completely agree with your assessment as well. It was an atrocious start on paper. But again, looking back at the dismissals, it's it's remarkable seeing bowling. It's top quality from those Essex bowlers. But Again, if you are to be critical, if you are to be harsh, obviously it's good bowling. But across the two innings, for the Middlesex top order to score a combined total of seven runs, it's not the start that the Saxes were looking for, was it? Absolutely not. You would you would hope for somebody to get some some runs at some point. Um, but again, the same the same. It's the first game of the season, and and it's not not every game is going to go like that. And you're not going to face two opening bowlers who are sticking it on a spot and and not being able to lay back on ball. Um, it's just unfortunate that it happens in both innings. So it looks worse than it would do if if it had only happened in one and yeah but you know it's it, it's just one game and it's the first game of the season exactly and i think that's the important thing for for every fan to take away from this don't get carried away whether your team has won convincingly or or maybe even lost this week 
It is the first game of fixtures. The county championship is a long and tough slog, so we'll have to wait and see. But for Essex, the initial signs looking very, very promising indeed with the ball in hand. We mentioned there Jamie Porter. I just have to give him a special mention. Six for 35. I thought he was unbelievable. Simon Harmer as well, three for 33. He's taken wickets in April. That is a really, really scary sign for county oppositions in this year's championship. So as a result of that excellent bowling performance from Essex County Cricket Club, Middlesex ultimately restricted to a score of 170 all out within just 63.3 overs in their first innings of the campaign. Now, obviously, that was tremendously disappointing, but I do just have to give some immense credit, actually, to the likes of Ryan Higgins and John Simpson. Simpson scored 63, Higgins scored 70, and those two, out of absolutely nowhere, at least brought Middlesex somewhat back into this game. They put on 127 runs for the sixth wickets. But unfortunately, at a venue like Lords, when you've got a deficit of 96 runs, it's always tremendously difficult to try and find your way back, in particular against that top-quality Essex bowling attack. So just some final thoughts, Kieran, on that game. Obviously, very impressive for Essex. The same attack did its job. The batting does look better very early days, but I think the balance on paper does look better than it did in 2022. What did you make of that game in North London this week? I, it, it certainly looks like good signs for Essex going forwards. Uh, obviously, with the, the lack of uh, batting points last season, to start off with such a, a good batting performance in the first innings, especially it it's it, very good signs and and the opposite for Middlesex but you know it's not going to happen every week it's the same probably won't happen every week for Essex with with bat or, or ball um but it looked very good from from an Essex point of view uh, all around bat, bat and ball it most certainly did and yeah to be honest I'm not looking forward to when Warwickshire face Essex at Chelmsford I must say that is going to be a very very difficult task it really is. I mean, that bowling attack is fantastic. Ben Allison is a good young prospect as well. But Jamie Porter, I say it again, if he stays fit alongside the likes of Sam Cook and Shane Snater, that is a very, very impressive three-pronged seam attack that the Southeastern County possesses. As for Middlesex, I completely agree, Kieran. It's one of those. It's a bad performance. It's not the greatest way to kickstart the season. But I'll tell you what, those middle-order contributions from the likes of Simpson, from the likes of Higgins, Luke Holman, scoring 63 in the second innings, it does give me hope. And a lot of people have written Middlesex off this season. I wouldn't do that. I, I really wouldn't. I fancy them. I'm not saying that they're, they're contenders, right? I don't think they're going to win the championship this season. But could they finish mid-table? If the batting comes to the forefront a bit more and they can assist that seam attack, maybe mid-table. I think that'd be a decent summer for Middlesex County Cricket Club. But obviously only time will tell. A pretty disappointing start, but... Only a start nonetheless. We're only one game into the season, so don't give up the faith just yet, Saxes fans. But aside then, Kieran, from that game at the home of crickets, let's again stay in the south of England for the final time in this uh, in this review show, the South East. Let's go to Canterbury, where Kent kick-started their campaign in 2023 with a sensational seven-wicket victory over Northamptonshire at the Spitfire ground. Now, Kent won the toss and opted to have a bowl first in this game. And they skittled out their opposition for just 117 runs within the space of 32.5 overs. Now, Kieran, on the preview show, we mentioned this, didn't we? 
last year, Kent's bowling, it was suspect. It really was. And I think by their own admission, it was the poorer aspect of the two departments. But I'll tell you what, in Canterbury this week, to a man, the likes of Matt Quinn, Michael Hogan, Joey Everson and Grant Stewart deserve an immense amount of credit. They really do. So after a difficult 2022, Kieran, how impressed were you with that Kent Seam quartet in this opening encounter against North Ants this week? Yeah, very much so. And I think you can see why they chose the ball because it the, certainly the first uh, couple, the first innings on either side, it didn't, from the scores, I've not actually watched any of it, you wouldn't have said it was an easy pitch to bat on um, because there was only one person, I think, in both first innings that passed 50. Um, I'll sort of touch on that in a second. But um, yeah, the, the seam attack was very good. And I saw, I've, I've only seen one wicket from that game and it was uh, Michael Hogan getting Gareth Berg like in swinging, ripping his stump out, just looked phenomenal. It really did. That was a great delivery. I saw that as well on Twitter. And we mentioned, didn't we, the talismanic nature of Michael Hogan being a, a stalwart for Glamorgan County Cricket Club for years, made the move to Kent this summer. Goodness me, he has potential, doesn't he, to be a great signing. And that ball was unbelievable. If you haven't watched it, I believe it'll be on Kent's Twitter, definitely. But I think it was also on the County Championship one as well. Definitely something for, for seam bowling fanatics to have a look at. But after that first innings, an unfortunate first innings for North Ants, Kent came out with a lot of confidence. And one player in particular, Kieran, that we have to discuss, obviously looking at the wider picture, obviously the championship is massive, but the ashes as well for this player, Zach Crawley. He's come under a lot of fire, hasn't he? In particular for his test dismissals, for getting out early on and, and not kicking on in innings. But you do have to give him credit this week. He scored 91 from 171 balls, 10 boundaries in this innings as well. And you mentioned the fact that other players struggled massively on this wicket in Canterbury this week. The next highest score in the Kent innings was Sam Billings scoring 31 from 52. So what did you make of that from the Kent opener? Because in my opinion, I think he did a good job. Yeah, I mean, from from the look of, of the scorecard from those first two innings, being the only person to, to pass 50, that shows you that's what a, having a test cricketer in, in your batting lineup gives you. The sort of the, the fact that it looked like it was a hard graft to bat there, the fact that nobody else really got anything. Um, and he seemed to bat very well. And that that, that sort of innings is, is one that shows you why he's in the test side. Like some of the shots that he was playing, where he's skipping down the track at Seamers and flicking them through mid-wicket, and I saw a couple of them, and you just you just watch him going, "You're phenomenal at cricket." Like when he's in good form, he's one of the best batters in the country to watch. Um, and yeah, just some absolutely ridiculous shots in in his first innings. There were. And again, I know that people are very, very critical of Zach Crawley. And don't get me wrong, I think that there is definite reason for that, in particular for his defence in Test cricket. That is something which I've said on this podcast, it needs to improve. It's all well and good being proactive and being aggressive up top. But you look at someone like Ben Duckett, Ben Duckett's a great example of this. He builds his attack from his strong defence. If you look back to the New Zealand series, the sound of the ball hitting the middle of his bats with his front defence, it shows you how confident, how assured he is in his defence, and then he can expand on his game. I just feel as though Zach Crawley could do with improving his defence. And again, that is just my opinion. I think Zach himself probably disagrees with that. 
But again, he's come under a lot of flack, a lot of fire. You do have to give credit where credit is due. And fingers crossed for us as England fans, he can find some form, in particular in the test arena, because we're going to need it against those Aussies. That is going to be a very, very difficult test over the course of the summer of 2023. And talking of Australia, Kieran, that's where my next player in focus comes from. A Northamptonshire debutante by the name of Chris Tremaine. Chris Tremaine from New South Wales. We've seen him in the Big Bash. He plays for, for my team of the Sydney Thunder. He used to be very, very good in T20 crickets. But I thought he had a great first-class debut for North Ants this week, taking 5 for 44, economy rate of 2.44, even bowled four maidens over the course of his spell. And I'll tell you what, he bowled some absolute rip-snorters in Canterbury this week. So in terms of, of his role in that North Ants bowling attack, obviously it's not for many games, right? He's only here for the month of April. But whilst he's here, he's going to be an asset, isn't he, for the East Midlands County? Um, I've not actually seen a lot of him before, um, but obviously you know you hear that some an, an Australian signed, and you, you assume he's probably going to be a decent player. And then to take a five front debut, you like yeah, you I assume he's going to have a decent few few games with them. And then obviously when he leaves, I think I don't know if Lance Morris comes straight away, or but the they've gone from the seam attack looking a little bit placid to now with a couple of additions for, for a few games here and there, it now looks like a, a much stronger seam attack. And from Chris Tremaine's start in this game, it, it, it very much shows that. Absolutely. I think it's a great piece of business to be honest by North Ants, even though it is temporary. Who knows? We might see Chris Tremaine coming back next year, maybe on a longer stint. Depends how he's his time goes at Wantage Road, but a really good start. And again, I just wanted to give him a lot of credit because a lot of Australians have really good domestic summers down under, and then they struggle to adapt to English conditions. He took to it like a duck to water this week. So Chris Tremaine, take a bow. Really, really impressed with him this week. I thought he was absolutely superb, as was Jack White, 4 for 57. Really underrated same bowler, has a great short ball at his disposal. And again, he will be a pivotal asset for North Ants in Division 1 over the course of this summer. Now, in terms of, of Northamptonshire's batting, we mentioned 117 all-outs in the first. In response to that, Kent scored 222. Things actually did improve quite significantly for the East Midlands County heading into their second innings. So after a pretty poor start, which saw the, the side pretty much struggling, to be honest, at 30 for 2 with the loss of Sam Whiteman and Ricardo Vasconcelos within the first 15 overs, Hassan Azad former Leicester opener coming in. He's currently on a, on a short-term deal at North Ants, while Emilio Gay is unfortunately ruled out with injury. But Hassan Azad scoring 51, and then Rob Keogh, Mr. North Ants, scoring 116 not out. Kieran, even though this was ultimately a disappointing result for North Ants, those two batting performances from Hassan, in particular him at the top of the order, and then Mr. Reliable Rob Keogh, that should fill the East Midland side with a bit of confidence to take with them going forward, shouldn't it? Yeah, and and Hassan Azad obviously only being there on a short term um, with, I, I think it's, you know, if he does well, he could, you know, get himself a, a full-time contract. There's no better way to do that than to get runs. So to start off with, obviously everyone was quite poor in the, in the first innings, but I go back to, the, I, I assume just looking at both first innings, 
the pitch can't have been that easy to bat on and it must have gotten a bit better because both second innings there were quite a few more runs so to to sort of knuckle down uh, at the top of the order and get some runs that's going to not only fill him with confidence but fill um north ants with with confidence in that emilio gay who was quite a solid option for them last season is not there at the moment but there's somebody who's going to sort of fill fill that void and and hit runs at the top of the order exactly and for hassan it's massive because he would have had a tough winter wouldn't he being released from leicestershire I think it was a little bit harsh by the Foxes, to be honest, but, you know, new opportunities in the East Midlands at Wantage Road. So, fingers crossed, Hassan can, of course, extend that deal in the future. And obviously, Rob Keogh, any excuse to mention Mr. Reliable on the podcast. I thought he batted quite exceptionally in the southeast this week. So, as a result of those particular innings, Northants actually found themselves in with a chance in this game. So they, they scored 331 runs over the course of that second innings, and they gave Kent a relatively decent target of 227 runs to chase down in the final stages of day four. But yet again, and this has been the case now for a couple of seasons, one man at the top of the Kent batting order took this game away from the opposition at the Spitfire ground, and that man was, of course, Ben Compton, coming off the back of a fantastic Logan Cup for the Mountaineers in Zimbabwe, Compton continued his exceptional form with 114 out from 197 balls. Jack Leaning as well, scoring 67 not out from 122 deliveries. As Kent ultimately chased this town within 65 overs with seven wickets to spare. So we've mentioned Northants already, Kieran. But for Kent, a side which last year struggled to take 20 wickets in a match, they ticked that off this week. They were fantastic with the ball in hand. But also to win a run chase that comfortably by seven wickets you've got ben compton scoring a ton you've got jack lean in scoring a half century as well that's a statement victory isn't it for kent uh, yeah absolutely to to have your, your top order firing like that in in the second innings when again i'm, I'm sounding like a broken record here but the, the the first couple of innings of the game nobody really got a lot other than other than zach crawley for to then win win by by seven wickets and I've got them written on my notes here Ben Compton did Ben Compton things um so I'll just leave it at that like he he was phenomenal last season and is showing signs that that that's not going to stop this season so Kent will be um all the better for that they most certainly will and again a very very impressive start to the summer Kent fans it's looking better than it did last year I must say very early days of course there's still a lot of the summer to go but very, very impressed with the White Horse of Kent this week. I thought they were really, really good on home soil. And I tell you what, if their bowling comes to the forefront, that batting lineup is definitely strong enough to make them middle order contenders. But Kieran, aside then from Kent County Cricket Club, let's head to the first time in today's episode. In fact, the first time of the season to Old Trafford. And let's talk about the game between Lancashire and Surrey. Now, ultimately, this did end up in a draw which was a bit of a shame because this was billed as the Clash of the Titans. It was on Sky Sports. It was the big clash, wasn't it, of the opening round between the defending champions and the team which finished second. But yet, ultimately, it did finish in a pretty high-scoring draw. So, Lancashire won the toss, elected to have a bowl first in this game. And at one point, they had Surrey in a lot of trouble. They were 77 for four at one stage. But as has been the case in countless games of county championship crickets, Surrey's incredibly strong middle order, 
bailed them out yet again. Ben Folks scoring 76, Jamie Smith scoring 54, Sean Abbott chipping in with 42 from 65, and then Cam Steele, who I've been told had a very good time of it over the course of the winter in great cricket in Australia, producing a masterful 141 outs from 182 balls, 14 fours, three sixes, a 77.47 strike rate to go alongside it. <laughs> Kieran, what did you make of that fantastic performance and that valiant rearguard from the Surrey middle order this week? Yeah, the, the the thing that stands out to me with Surrey is how deep they bat, especially with the addition of Sean Abbott batting at nine. Um, Sean Abbott, uh, I think, I can't remember if it was last season or the season before in, in the big bash for Sydney Sixers, he had a couple of really good innings where where at the back end obviously it's a t20 so it's a, it's a different game and you're just sort of swinging the bat but he he bats very well so if I, to have him at, at nine to come in and just sort of swing from the hip um after the likes of ben folks jamie smith cam Steele at seven getting runs um it's scary for a lot of teams that are going to bowl against them that you're going to take a lot of wickets and you're still not going to be quite out of it because everybody pretty much down to 11 can bat for Surrey. Um, and this standout was um, obviously in, in the first innings, Cam Steele, but Ben folks getting, getting runs in, in that first innings. And then the same again in, in the second innings, there's a lot of options with the bat that, that are going to get you valuable runs from pretty much one to 11. There certainly are, and that is why they are the defending champions. It just doesn't stop, does it, in terms of their batting depth. They always find a way to get their way out of it, and, and that happened yet again in the Northwest this week. From 77 for four, Surrey ultimately being bowled out for 442 runs. That really was exceptional, and that Surrey middle order deserved an immense amount of plaudits, immense amount of credit, because I thought they were brilliant. They really were. And we'll talk about Ben Folks in due course because he followed up that first innings performance with a pretty special effort with the bat in hand in the second as well. But after Surrey's incredible comeback in the first innings, Lancashire came out to bat for the first time this season and unsurprisingly got off to a pretty good start, actually. They're 108 for one at one point. Keaton Jennings, the captain, scoring 76. Luke Wells' opening partner scoring 24. And Josh Bohannon chipping in with 32. But from 108 for one, Lanks ultimately being dismissed for 291 runs on what seemed like a pretty good wicket at Old Trafford this week. And one of the players who catalyzed that collapse in Manchester this week, we've already mentioned him, Sean Abbott of Surrey. That really was a fantastic performance, wasn't it, Kieran? In the first innings, five for 50, great way for him to announce himself back in the county circuit. Sean Abbott take about five for 50, outstanding stuff from the Aussie seamer. But talking of new signings, actually, Kieran, someone who some people didn't actually expect to start the early stages of the county championship, this time from a Lancashire perspective, the big man himself, Mr. Colin de Grandom. He's got a big house, as Warwickshire fans will know. But CDG, honestly, that could have been a lot worse for Lanks. It really could have been. 291, they'll be disappointed. But they really do need to thank Colin de Grandom for getting them that many runs in the first place. He produced a quite brilliant 67 outs from 86 balls, 7 fours, 1 6. Kieran, in terms of the, the balance and setup of that length side, just how important is Colin de Grandom 
in this early stage of the season, in particular when Lanks are missing the likes of Liam Livingston, for example? Yeah, to have somebody that's going to give you that much uh, impact with bat and ball um, and to bat sort of lower middle order, you, you know you're safe in, in the fact that there are probably going to be most games where even if sort of a lot of the, the batters fail or, or one or two fail, you're still going to get yourself to a respectable total because you've got someone like Colin de Grandum there that's that's going to hit your runs and then he's also going to do a, do a job with the ball. So for the, the balance of the side with an all-rounder like that, with how... Um, how good he, he has been both in, in international cricket and the fact that he's experienced playing in England as well. He He's going to give Lancashire a lot this season. He certainly is. Across formats as well, Lancashire fans, honestly, he's going to be fantastic in the T20 Blast. So cannot wait to watch CDG in action in, what, a month and a half's time, actually, in the T20 Blast. That's going to be absolutely exceptional, to say the least. But, Kieran, aside then from Lancashire's batting, let's talk once again about Surrey's batting, because in the second innings, they already had quite a substantial lead, to be honest, from that first innings. But after a somewhat sedate start, they were 166 for five. Ben Folks turned into a man on a mission, didn't he? 103 not out from 95 balls. Jordan Clark chipping in with 27 not out from 39. But Ben Folks, as we speak, currently the championship's leading run scorer, 179 runs in this particular encounter, 76 in the first 103 in the second. There's a lot of chat, isn't there, when it comes to the Ashes, about Ben Folks's place. And personally, I don't understand where it's coming from. Because in terms of glove work, he's the best keeper in the entire country, if not one of the best on the entire planet. And then you see innings like this, you see performances, where he produces these brilliant displays with both front foot and back foot shots. He's got a great cut shot against the spin bowlers. Do you think that Ben Folks's place is, is in any doubt? Because... Personally speaking, I'm quite confused about that conversation, to be honest. It's a weird one because obviously the the whole thing with England at the minute is scoring at a fast rate. And if Bairstow is going to come in and take the gloves, he's going to do the same thing that he did over the summer, that he's going to score quickly. And that's what we want. Um, some games that isn't going to work. And sometimes you just want someone to drop the bat and, and sort of grind out an innings, which is what, Ben Folks does really well, and and when he's got a, runs for, for England before, a lot of it has been sort of he's hitting, he's he's striking at probably fifty, and he's just sort of picking gaps and and putting away bad balls. And I don't know if if he's thought maybe my my position is in is in danger here because that second innings, the hundred coming off ninety. Odd. I don't know how exactly what it wasn't. Some somewhere around ninety balls. Maybe he's thought to show um, Brendan McCullum that you know he can score at that quick rate, and he he has got the levels to his game. That yeah, maybe he he might be the the player that's gonna that's gonna sit sit there and grind out an innings. But also he has got the ability to go out and and score at that runner ball, if not quicker, and to do it against. A lot of people's title favourites is a really good statement that he shouldn't be dropped from the England side. Yeah, personally, I'd be in the camp which would say that Ben Folk shouldn't be dropped. And again, a performance like this shows exactly why. I thought that he kept very well in that first innings as well. And then 103 not out from 95 balls. Very, very well played, Mr. Ben Folk's. But 
Aside then from that second Surrey innings, which score, which saw the Brown Cap score 292 for six before deciding to declare in the 65th over, we've got to talk about the fourth final innings of this game, Mr. McCarthy, because this was an interesting one, wasn't it? Let's face it, Lanks getting off to a decent start. Keaton Jennings and Luke Wells put on 65 runs for the opening wickets, but as soon as those two fell, it was essentially mission survival, wasn't it? For the Red Rose of Lanks, very much a case of, of grafting and grinding out results on home soil this week. And the man of the moments, I've got to mention him, is a certain Josh Bohannon, celebrating his 26th birthday today, bringing up his seventh career first class century. First and foremost, happy birthday to Bosch, but also very well played. I thought he batted very, very well indeed in Manchester this week. And someone else that I have to mention, Kieran, aside from Josh Bohannon, is Stephen Croft of Blackpool, 56 now from 195 balls for the grizzled veteran, dug in, dug in well. It was a real old school innings in a season where we're speaking about baseball and the influence of this new look England side. That was proper old school batting from Stephen Croft to craft out that results and see Lancashire across the line to those valuable five points. So shout out to Stephen Croft and Josh Bohannon. I thought they batted magnificently. And in terms of Lancashire's bowling, just one final shout-out to Mr. Matt Parkinson. I've got a lot of time for Parky. He gives it revs. He's a real aggressive, attacking first-class spin bowler. Five for 120. Great to see Parky back in the wickets. So, yeah, things are looking quite good, actually, for both of those sides. I think Lancashire would be the happier of the two, given how things went in their first innings. But with that being said, sorry with those middle-order performances. You look at the strength of the top order, they'll undoubtedly fire at some points. I think they'll take a draw from that first game. I think that was a fair result and a fair reflection of how things went down in the Northwest this week. But Kieran, aside then from the, the quote-unquote clash of the titans in Manchester, let's head to our fifth and final game of Division 1 for the opening round. And let's talk about my county of Warwickshire for the first time in 2023. Because the Bears played out a very entertaining draw against Somerset at the Cooper Associates County Ground in Taunton. Now, unfortunately, for both Somerset and Warwickshire fans, day one was completely abandoned. And Kieran, this was the big talking point, wasn't it? One of the big talking points from this week, let alone from, from just this game. But the, the look of Somerset's outfield wasn't exactly picturesque, to say the least. Very saturated. They had a lot of sand going on there. I saw a number of comments saying that it looked like Western Supermare. People thought that they were playing beach cricket for this first round of the championship. First and foremost, what did you make of, of the situation on day one between these two sides? Because it was a real shame, wasn't it, to see that first day completely washed out, given the lack of rain in the West Country? Yeah, I've not actually seen any pictures of it, but I have heard it was wet. And if, if, you, if as you say, it didn't really rain, why was it so wet? I like it just... I. It's a cricket ground. It shouldn't be that wet. Uh, no, it shouldn't it's, be. It's a simple thing to say, but, you know, every team got onto the pitch on the first day and, and Somerset didn't manage to to do that. It's just, it, it's not a great start to the season, really. No, it wasn't. It was very unfortunate, to be honest. And it was strange. I, I do wonder if there is a slight issue with the drainage at the CACG, purely because you look at, at Glamorgan, for example, Right, that's just 32 miles away in Cardiff. They've had similar levels of rainfall over the winter, and yet they played on that first day. But 
then again, we'll just have to wait and see. Fingers crossed that a you know solution can be found because I don't want to see Somerset you know dock points or anything like that for their pitch this summer, right? Especially after 2019 and all the controversy surrounding that, right? We want to see games being played in Taunton and the cricket that was played in the West Country this week was captivating. It really was brilliant cricket. Basically, from ball one, I've got to say this new look Somerset batting lineup. Even though they struggled in the second innings, as we'll probably discuss, I thought in the first innings they did show some promise. So Cameron Bancroft scored 44, Tom Cullicadmore scored 34 as well. And I'll tell you what, Kieran, obviously as a Warwickshire fan, this frustrated me. I've got to be honest, because at one point Somerset were 135 for 7, and the Bears newcomers bowled brilliantly, as we shall discuss in just a moment's time. But Lewis Gregory... Standing in for the injured Tom Abel as captain, 65. How pivotal of an innings was that from the Somerset skipper when his team were in that much trouble early on in this innings? Yeah, he's quite good at cricket. Um, good description. <laughs> yeah. The, the the positive signs for, for Somerset at the top of the order, obviously, the, the for me anyway, the, the new... Signings in in Cameron Bancroft and Tom Collar Cadmore getting getting runs is obviously going to be a positive, and then after that a little bit of a of a downfall. But then for Lewis Gregory to to dig in and and get runs there, I don't think that there would have been any danger of uh, Somerset losing anyway. Because if you lose a day in a four day game, generally you're not going to get to a point where there's going to be a result. Um, but you don't want to get to the point where you have to think about that. So for for in that situation, for Lewis Gregory to to dig in and get runs was um, obviously um, a good thing for, for Somerset. It certainly was. And to be honest, it probably saved the game because at one point I thought that Warwickshire would have bowled them out for less than 200. And we've got to talk about Warwickshire's bowlers because I got messages right, from the Somerset fans, even a couple of the Somerset commentators, right, discussing just how impressed they were with that Bears seam attack. And to a man, the three newcomers, Chris Rushworth, Hassan Ali and Ed Barnard, on behalf of myself and the legions of Warwickshire fans out there, thank you for joining Warwickshire County Cricket Club because last summer we struggled with seam depth, right? We had inexperienced options coming in when the likes of Norwell went down injured. We've got experience. We've got bona fide out and out wicket takers, and those three bowled brilliantly. They really did. In that first innings, Hassan Ali bowling gas, two for 62. Ed Barnard taking three for 54. Chris Rushworth taking two for 55. Welcome to the Bear and Ragged staff, to all three of those fine gentlemen. And one gentleman, Kieran, who has been very pleasing on the eye to the Bear and Ragged Staff faithful for a number of years, ever since he made his debut for the club in 2014, is a man synonymous with this podcast and a man who this week brought up his 15th career first-class century. And that man is, of course, Samuel Robert Hayne. Hashtag Sam Hayne for England is off to a great start in 2023. Sam Hayne scoring 119 from 269 deliveries. Great, great stuff from the great man himself. But Kieran, the other player from Warwickshire that I wanted to discuss before we get on to our conversation about Division 2 this week is someone who came under a lot of scrutiny in 2022. And by his own admission, he had a very poor season in the Championship last year. And that's Alex Davis, the Bears' new vice-captain. So 
he's come in obviously last year would have been tremendously disappointed did not produce performances that we expect of a player of Alex Davis's standard and quality that 118 in the first innings how do you assess that not just for Alex Davis but for Warwickshire a, a team which struggled to A, get first innings runs, and B, get top order runs. Just how big and pivotal of an innings and a knock is this from Alex Davis in terms of generating confidence for both himself and, of course, his new club? I think the main positive is that Dom Sibley has left, so somebody needs to fill the void at the top of the order. And if you were to go through the first few games and nobody at the top of the order was to have gotten any runs you would look and you would think that you, you might be in danger at some point. So for for him opening the batting in the first game to hit 100, that sort of just puts everyone's mind at ease, not not just himself, but the club to think you're going to be okay having lost Dom Sibley. Um, and obviously, you know, you've got Sam Hain in, in the middle order, but you, you want runs at the top of the order. So um, to, to score 100 in the first game, is going to, you know, everyone's going to be happy and, and the, you don't think there's going to be any worries that maybe you might miss Dom Sib, you're obviously going to miss him. But, you know, um, at least somebody's going to step up and, and it's not going to be a massive loss. Well, fingers crossed for us as Warwickshire fans that Alex Davis can continue the season how he started. A great start for the new Vice captain and... To be honest, it was an excellent innings from the Bears. In particular, when I think back to last year in Taunton, <laughs> we got hammered. We lost within three days, lost by an innings, right? To, to come out of this game with 11 points, a draw, yes, it could have been a win. And obviously, we're disappointed about that first day being rained off. But again, I think it's a, ref a fair reflection of that game. It was a great, great encounter between these two sides. And one more Somerset player who I have to give a tremendous shout out to, actually. From a neutral perspective, of course, maybe not so much from a Warwickshire perspective, but Tom Lamanby in that second innings. Somerset got to a really poor start. They were two for two within the first four rovers. At one point, they were 92 for five. And you're thinking, hmm, can Warwickshire maybe sneak this on the fourth day? But Tom Lamanby stood his ground quite superbly. A resolute 66 out from 120 balls. Craig Overton also producing 29 out from 53 to frustrate the Warwickshire bowlers ultimately take Somerset up to 180 for six and the two sides shook hands and that was that the game ended in a pulsating draw so a good start to the season for the Bears lots of promise some good things to take away and from a Somerset perspective as well also some positives I like the look of that new look top order and as soon as Tom Abel comes back supplements that that side as he has done so brilliantly for so many years now I do think 2023 has the makings of a far more promising summer for the Wyverns of Somerset County Cricket Club. But all of those performances aside then, and it really has been a monster opening round in Division 1, let's for the first time in 2023 take a look at the Division 1 table. So currently top at the end of the first round at Essex County Cricket Club on 20 points. In second, chasing their first title since 1973 are the Rosen Crown of Hampshire on 19 points. In third are the White Horse of Kent, also on 19 points. In fourth and fifth place, respectively, are the defending champions Surrey on 12 points and Warwickshire County Cricket Club on 11 points. In sixth and seventh are Lancashire and Somerset, both on nine points apiece. 
and making up the bottom three in 8th, 9th and 10th place are Middlesex, Northamptonshire and Nottinghamshire, all on three points each. So Division 1 is here, folks. It's kicked off with a bang. We've had a fantastic opening round of crickets to kickstart this summer. And yeah, bring it on. It honestly has the makings of a captivating division in 2023, to say the least. And for those who don't know, next week, it's Surrey versus Hampshire in what promises to be yet another blockbuster clash at the Kia Oval. So plenty to look forward to in Division 1 over the course of these next few weeks and next few months. But Kieran, aside then from Division 1, let's take a look at Division 2. And I've just seen your face take a little bit of a <laughs> of a disappointed look because I think you know where we're going to start. There is only one place to start this week, and that is, of course, at Clean Slate Headingley in the game between Leicestershire and Yorkshire. Because Leicestershire, a side which went winless in the county championship in 2022 have finally broken the curse. They have won their first game of the 2023 season by three wickets, an unforgettable run chase that we just have to discuss, Kieran. But before we get into that remarkable fourth innings, we talk about Peter Hanscom and Chris Wright's contributions to this most famous of Fox's victories. I know you want to talk about one particular Yorkshireman, a, a young opener, someone who shows so much promise, someone who that in that first innings took to the mantle, took to the stage and announced himself to the masses of county cricket fans, a certain Finlay Bean. Maiden first-class century, 118 from 149 balls. I know he impressed you, Kieran, but how would you summarise and reflect on Finlay's performances in Leeds this week? Um I don't think I'm getting ahead of myself if I say that he's going to be the best English opener since Alistair Cook. It's bold. I, I rate the confidence, though. Yeah. I rate the confidence in backing your player. Obviously, I, there, there was a, there's a tinge of, uh, of of a joke in that. But, um, yeah, he he obviously had that 400 in the second team game last summer. Um, he hit, I think he hit 100 in the warm-up game against Leeds Bradford unis um and then for a 20 year old to be opening the batting uh like to come straight in i know he played a couple of games at the back end of last season in in first class cricket but to to come in and and displace george hill from opening the batting who hit two centuries in first class cricket last season obviously yorkshire see um a very good player in him and that knock in the first innings shows why why he's opened the button and, and why they think that um and he he, ne- he was nearly out on 92 um Colin Ackerman came on and and ragged one past him and somehow didn't bowl him somehow didn't get bat on it somehow the keeper didn't take it um and then it took him two shots from there to get to 100 because I think he sort of thought I don't want to get out so he smashed the next ball for four off Ackerman and then to get to his hundred a nice cut um nearly went for six uh but a phenomenal start to the season for him um and it it all looked so good for Yorkshire after the first uh well to be fair after both batting innings um like like the the batting as with with Surrey in division one it looks like Yorkshire bat really deep 
obviously you had tons for Finley Bean, uh, for David Milan, Mark Milnes to come in as night watchman and hit 75. Shea Hopes there for a few games, uh, hit 80 odds. James Wharton hit his maiden uh, first class half century. George Hill hit half century. Um, and for Don Bess and Jordan Thompson to be batting 9-10 in a Division 2 side is unbelievable. Um, obviously, it didn't pan out quite the way Yorkshire would have expected after the, after the, the first innings and, and even the, their second batting innings. But there are some very positive signs with the bat, definitely. There are. Uh, and again, we'll discuss Yorkshire in due course, to be honest, Kieran, because it is quite insane, isn't it? The fact that Yorkshire lost this game, having scored 517 in the first innings. It's a very disappointing defeat. And, and we saw the the feedback, if you can call it that, or, or maybe the the outpouring of, of emotion from the Yorkshire fans as a result of this defeat, because it was a very, very painful one for the White Rose faithful. But to score 517 runs, have your opposition at 64 for three and still lose, it is going to be a very, very tough one to take. But with that being said, let's talk about Leicestershire County Cricket Club. Because in the preview show, I think it's fair to say that both of us didn't rate the chances of promotion. And even though they've won this, I still don't think the Foxes are going to get promoted on paper. But what I will say is that this performance really, really made me proud. And to a man, those Foxes players from 1 to 11 should look back on this and take great waves of confidence because they can perform in first-class cricket. They've shown glimpses in 2022, but they couldn't find the killer touch. And yet in this game, in particular in that fourth innings, they wanted this. They wanted this victory. They really did. And I thought the likes of Rishi Patel in that second innings, 125 from 205 deliveries, his maiden first-class ton. First and foremost, Rishi, if you're listening, well-batted, mate. Outstanding with a capital O to bring it up with a six as well. How ludicrously outrageous, daring and, and swashbuckling is that to bring it up with a, a sweep shot for six into the Western Terrace. Rishi Patel take a bow, but not just Rishi, right? In that first innings, you've got to think of that performance from Peter Hanscom, 112. He's come in after a really disappointing season, underwhelming season for Middlesex last year to come into a new side, bolster that, that middle order, anchor the innings, provide stability for a side which has struggled in Red Bull cricket. I think Peter Hanscom deserves a great deal of plaudits as well, as does Colin Ackerman. He scored 67. Rian Ahmed, the star boy, of English cricket, producing some flair, some elegance, some panache, with a dashing 85 from, from 121 balls. And then the man of the moment, who, to be honest, will no doubt call himself an all-rounder now. He's probably on the phone to Crick Info, saying that they need to change him from a seamer to a bowling all-rounder. But Christopher Julian Clement writes, Chris Wright, Kieran, from nowhere, 66 not out in the first innings, which was incredible by itself. But then he went and hit the winning runs. He scored 40 not outs. I know it's only the first game of the season, but Chris Wrights is currently unbeaten in county cricket. He hasn't been dismissed. He had two red inkers scoring 106 runs for the Foxes. So <laughs> what, what did you make of that 
that display from Chris Wright because it came completely out of nowhere. But at the same time, it's good to see, isn't it? Yeah, I think every domestic fan in the country was probably watching Yorkshire at the end of the game because there was about an hour left that everyone else had already finished. So I'm probably saying something that everyone's already heard here. But the commentators were saying... Well, Jonathan Doidge was saying that the Leicestershire commentator had told him when Chris Wright came into bat in the first innings that um, he wasn't really a number nine and he was probably an all right number 10. And yeah, I think he hit uh, 100 runs in, in the game and and hit uh, hit the winning runs. Um, and I assume I, I didn't I wasn't watching the, the second to last over from from Ben Code, um, but that got taken for 20 odds. So I assume he probably got a few runs there because I was watching the scorecard and his score seemed to go up quite significantly after that over. So, and that was in a position where, where the game was in, in the balance. There was sort of four overs left and, and Leicester should probably needed somewhere around 40, 30 odd. Um, so to, to, to score as quickly as, as that for, for a bowler, um, Peter Hanscom was probably at the start. Um, I think, I can't remember if it was when Finan was in or when Wright had just come in, but he took a single off the second to last ball of an over so that the other batter only had to face one ball. After a while, Peter Hanscom was probably just thinking, right, just have the strike and, and do what you will with it. Um, yeah, mental. <laughs> it really was. Uh, and this is why we love county cricket. Obviously, as a Yorkshire fan, Kieran, you'll be disappointed, right? I would be if it was my county, and I think everybody out there would be. But at the same time, this is the beauty of the county championship. Anything's possible. This is why we love this game. It's for, for moments like these, and it does take two to tango. And obviously, a lot of Yorkshire fans will be disappointed. Quite a few are angry as a result of this game today. But you've got to think, this uh, as a game of crickets was phenomenal. It really was. And I think back to last year, right, for example, when Yorkshire beat Northants by one wicket, you're going to have these games, you're going to have these incredible finishes. And unfortunately for Yorkshire, they're on the wrong end of the result this time. But I, I don't think it's fair to say that Yorkshire bowled badly. Yorkshire didn't bat enough here. They didn't, you know, bat long enough in, in the second innings. They should have declared later. They didn't have enough runs on the board. They did have enough runs on the board. But Leicestershire came out in that second innings, in that run chase determined. They were on a mission today from ball one. It started with Rishi Patel. Colin Ackerman was exceptional. And then he had that partnership between Hanscom and Wright. 65 runs for the eighth wickets. Brilliance. And these Leicestershire fans who have stuck with this team, it's a long-term rebuild after a terrible decade of first-class cricket in the East Midlands. They deserve this victory for sticking with this team. And that team deserve an immense amount of credit. This isn't just about Yorkshire's bad performance. This is about Leicestershire's excellent performance with the bat in hand. That is a, a record run chase for Leicestershire since 1947. That was the last time that they chased anything even remotely close to 380 runs. And it's their first victory against Yorkshire at Headingley in the county championship since 1910. This was a victory 113 years in the making. So Leicestershire County Cricket Club take a bow. Rishi Patel, take a bow. Chris Wright, get on the phone to Crick Info. Get that description sorted right now. Chris Wright, bowling all-rounder season. Who knows? The Baz Ball era. 
might have just created a veteran star. We shall wait and see. But yeah, well played, Righty. I know that that'll be passed around the dressing room in Leicestershire for many a game <laughs> to come. I have absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever. But Kieran, aside from that most remarkable run chase from the Foxes of Leicestershire, let's talk about another team which struggled in 2022 and has kick-started 2023 in excellent fashion. Let's go to the first central county ground in Hove, where Sussex, a team which won one game in the entirety of last year's county championship, beat Durham by two wickets over the course of the bank holiday weekend. Now, in terms of this game, Sussex won the toss and opted to have a bowl first. Now, to be honest, this seemed to backfired. Let's face it, Durham batted very well in this first innings, in particular the opening duo of Alex Lees, the captain, and Michael Jones scoring 79 and 87 respectively, taking Durham at one point to 142 for none within the course of 28 first innings overs. Now, at this point, Durham were in complete and utter control. You'd argue, to be honest, they were probably on top in the game. 376 runs in Hove is a lot, in particular against an inexperienced Sussex batting lineup, which found themselves 91 for four within the first 24 overs of their innings. But it's situations like these which, you know, they, they produce superstars, don't they, Kieran? They produce players of the future. And I think that Sussex, to be honest, have unearthed one of those players in Ollie Carter. Now, don't get me wrong. In that first innings, the plaudits and the attention will mostly go to Chiteshwa Pajara, right? As they should do. He's the captain, 115 from 163 balls. Your typical, quintessential, gritty, stubborn, determined Chiteshwa Pajara knock to get Sussex back into this game. But Ollie Carter's discipline, Ollie Carter's determination, his grit and fortitude at the crease. Kieran, what do you make of him as a prospect? Because we've seen little bits and pieces of him in first-class cricket. He also played some T20 cricket for the Sharks in the past. But in this game in particular, this felt like the coming of age of Ollie Carter in many ways, didn't it? Yeah, and and the, the big thing for me was that somebody needs to be there at the end of the game. And when it was getting tight... So at the end of day three, um, Sussex were five down, needing 59 to win. And then obviously throughout day four, they were getting closer to the total, but they were also losing wickets. Somebody needed to be the person to to stand up and, and make sure they got across the line. And for me, the, the, um, the, the composure that, to stand up and, and to get them over the line was was the, that was the big thing for me. It certainly was. And get them over the line, he did, as we shall discuss in due course. But Ollie Carter in the first innings, 41 from 96. Again, for someone who in the past has been more expansive, I think he played a really good hand alongside Bajara in Hove this week. So I had to give the young man some, some plaudits and some credit. He's a very, very good prospect indeed for the Martlets of Sussex County Cricket Club. And someone else who I've got to say really, really impressed me this week, this time from a Durham perspective, Kieran, is Ollie Robinson. Now, not just with the bat in hands. We know how good he is with the bat in hand. We've seen him for years for Kent, right? I remember him in 2019. He scored a ton against Warwickshire on my 18th birthday to take Kent to a victory at Edgbaston. But with the gloves, 
some of his glove work, the catches that he took this week, the stumpings that he got off Matt Kuhneman. In terms of him as as a player and this move to Kent, I suppose, Kieran, what do you make of Ollie Robinson fitting into this Durham side? Because obviously they've lost Ned Eckersley, right? Ned Eckersley departed the club last season, so they lost an experienced campaigner in Eckersley, and they needed someone to fill the void. Do you think Ollie Robinson can can fill that gap per se? Well, obviously he 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 is a player that, like Ben Folks, generally isn't playing as your wicketkeeper in the wicketkeeper's batting position. He's more of a of a genuine batter. Obviously, a lot of wicketkeepers do bat very well, but there has to be something to say for, for, to be a reason that he is batting um, higher up than than a wicketkeeper usually would, and the certainly the first the first innings knock shows what why that is and if he can do that game in game out that's obviously strengthening your your batting lineup and Durham obviously have a, a very strong side I don't think obviously they've lost this this game but they have one of the stronger sides in the division I think you'd say so for a new signing to to come in and have a, a good performance straight away and if it looks like he's going to keep doing that which he will hope it, hope he does and, and they will hope he, he does um then he's going to add a lot of value to that side he certainly is i've got a lot of time for ollie robinson and obviously durham will be disappointed with how this game ended to be honest they'll be very disappointed with that second innings as well bowled out for 189 runs finn hudson prentice taking four for 27 for Sussex. Henry Crocom as well. The young 20-year-old seamer taking four for 47. I, I do think that Sussex do deserve a lot of plaudits, though, for the way in which they came back in this game, in particular in that second innings for Durham, because you, you look at that first day in particular, obviously Nathan McAndrew took his fifer on his Sussex debut. I thought he bowled well at times, but they would have been slightly disappointed, I think, in particular to have a deficit to take into that second innings. So... To, to claw their way back into this game. And we've got to talk about the final day, haven't we, Kieran? Because I think a lot of people, myself included, were just glued to the screen. And it was brilliantly called, right? It was brilliantly called by the two commentators, Adrian and Martin. Honestly, it was a captivating and enthralling end to this game. And at, at one point, you're thinking Sussex are in control. They were 166 for four, chasing 232 runs. But then the morning session on day four happened and all of a sudden they lose Sean Hunts. They lose Finn Hudson Prentice to a sweep shot. Nathan McAndrew dances down the wicket, goes for a ridiculously expansive shot, gets stumped by Ollie Robinson off the bowling of Matt Kuhneman. And all of a sudden Sussex, a team which struggled last year, we mentioned the fact that they only won one game throughout the entire season, a 208 for eight and they need 24 runs to win. But come of the hour, cometh the man, Ollie Carter, with the master plan yet again, because he was brilliant. And it wasn't just the defence, it was the attack. And something which really impressed me about Ollie Carter this week was maturity. It's a word which I'm really happy to use about this Sussex side, because they are young, they are relatively inexperienced. We've mentioned this in the past. But in terms of the game situation, all of that pressure, and the Durham players were reminding him, of how that team had fared in 2022. To rise above that, to keep your cool, to maintain that composure and level-headedness under all of that pressure and the weight of expectations, 
I can't give him enough credit. I really can't. And even at the other end, right, Jack Carson didn't score a single run, but he faced 11 balls and he was just so calm in his defence. And that probably made it easier for Ollie Carter as well. So honestly, to Sussex County Cricket Club, they should be very proud of that. They had a really rough time of it in Red Bull Cricket last year, even the year before that, because they are having this rebuild. It's a long-term plan that's taking place on the South Coast. But to beat a side of Durham's quality, which had Matt Kuhneman, an Australia spinner, Bryden Carson, England Lion seam bowler, Matt Potts, an England test cricketer, just to name a few, I think they should be tremendously proud should the Martlets. And this is definitely a good springboard for them to take into the rest of this summer. As for Durham, very disappointing, but again, it happens. Obviously, they had a very disappointing and lacklustre second innings, but they have got new players in there. They've also got the youth of, of Ben McKinney, for example, coming into the side and Johnny Bushnell. So again, with Durham, it's going to take time. It might be an underwhelming season for Durham fans this year, but you've got to look at the bigger picture. It's something which Leicestershire and Sussex have both had to go through. It's something which, again, Durham will go through over the course of this season when their England players do depart. But again, that first innings, that's where I'll be looking at the positives for Durham this week. And that's something which I do think they can build off heading into the rest of this summer. But Kieran, then, aside from that incredible showdown on the South Coast, and it really was a great game of cricket, let's head to the East Midlands. Let's go to the Encora County ground in Derby, where Worcestershire County Cricket Club, a side which a lot of people have said are dark horses for promotion in this year's county championship, Division 2, definitely proved their worth of that, of that description beating Derbyshire by eight wickets in convincing fashion in the East Midlands. So in terms of this game, Worcestershire won the toss, elected to have a bowl first. Now, this didn't really pay off in the opening exchanges as Hyder Rally and Billy Goldman put on 54 within the first seven overs of the game. But I tell you what, Worcestershire came back very strong after that, ultimately dismissing Derbyshire for 321 runs on a good wicket at the Encora ground. And one player that we will talk about in length for this episode, Kieran, is Matthew Waite, someone who I have no doubt you know from your time when he spent at, at, at Yorkshire County Cricket Club. And he came on loan to Worcestershire last year, impressed on debut that brought him back for the summer of 2023 on a contract now. How impressed were you with Matthew Waite? Not just with the ball in hand, obviously, because he took four for 50 in that first innings. But to follow up that impressive bowling display with 109 outs, which included 15 fours, his first ever ton in first-class crickets, he looks like a good signing, doesn't he, for the pairs of Worcestershire? Yeah, he looks at home, doesn't he? Like, for, so Matthew Way um, didn't get a lot at Yorkshire because I think he's had quite a few injury problems. So he's played 16 first-class games before this one. As you say his maiden first-class century. He only hit his first 50 last season. Um, so he's literally, he's hit 150 and now he's hit 100. His first 50 was um, against Surrey at Scarborough last season. I was there um, and he looked good then. And then obviously for for what, for mainly because he's not getting a lot at Yorkshire, he's um, decided to, to move to, to Worcestershire and just looked like a genuine all-rounder to take four wickets 
uh, and then follow that up with a hundred. He just looked like a phenomenal cricketer and, and a really good signing for for Worcestershire. He really is. He's a great signing because he's got a nice strong action. He's disciplined with his line and lengths, and he can also bat. You know, it's something which we mentioned in the past with Worcestershire, right? They they do need someone to galvanise the lower to middle order, don't they? I know Joe Leach has done this at times. Brett Oliveira did this in this very game, actually. But in the past, Worcestershire have struggled in that department. So for Matthew Waits to come out there first game of the season, produce a, a batting display like that, very, very promising signs indeed. And, and talking of Worcestershire's batting, actually, because we mentioned in the preview show, didn't we, Kieran, that a real strength of theirs was the top order. In this particular game, they didn't exactly fire, did they? At one point, they were somewhat teetering on 139 for four, the likes of, of Sam Connors and Zach Chappell and Saranga Lakmel, causing some problems for the pair's batters in this particular encounter. But I'll tell you what, the captain, Brett Oliveira, we mentioned Matthew Waits' knock. We also have to touch upon Brett Oliveira's innings because that 89 from 127 balls completely changed the tide. It changed the rhythm. It changed the momentum of that first innings for Worcestershire in this particular game. So we talk about captain's knocks. We talk about these impressive individual feats. Brett Oliveira deserves a lot of credit for that because ultimately that knock alongside Jack Haynes' 62 and Matthew Waits' 109 ultimately took Worcestershire up to 473 by the end of their first innings. Something which I did just want to touch upon though, Kieran, and this is something which we don't often speak about actually on the podcast, but it's the unsung hero of certain innings, and that's extras. So runs which don't come off the bats. And this is something which is a little bit worrying for Derbyshire County Cricket Club, because in that first innings, they conceded 60 of them which included 26 no-balls. Now, again, this Derbyshire team, they they are relatively inexperienced in certain places in the same attack, but in terms of places where they can improve heading into the rest of the season, Kieran, that's definitely an area which needs to be improved upon heading into the next game, isn't it? Yeah, you don't want to be giving away free runs. Um, like it's it's a hard enough game as it is to bowl for sometimes a day and a half, two days to then basically be directly contributing to the other team's total as well. Obviously, you know, you're gonna bowl you're gonna bowl a few wides, you're gonna bowl a few nobles. So that number of nobles is excessive. Um you can probably put it down to that it's the first game of the season. People are going to be rusty. Um but you would hope that they would sort of get that drilled out of them quite quickly because um, if you're going to do that a lot, you just you're not going to get yourself into a very strong position in a lot of games if if you if you having if you're giving away that many extras. Well, you're not, and for Derbyshire, it's a shame because in their second innings, they fought back really well, and, and Billy Godelman, I think, had a really good game this week. So he scored seventy. In the first innings, backed up with 86 in the second. Hyder Ali, the debutant, scoring 65. Leas Deploy, the new captain, scoring 95 not out. They, they ended on 343. And obviously this is a hypothetical, because if they wouldn't have conceded 60 runs, right, maybe their, their innings might have gone a bit differently in the second innings. But you just think of that immense figure, right, 60. Even if that was reduced to 30 or 20, right, which is still an awful lot. Worcestershire, for example, conceded four in that first innings. 
But if they reduce that, suddenly it's a different game. Instead of Worcestershire chasing less than 200 runs on a good pitch, they're chasing 250 to 300, which does change the complexion. So it is a shame for Derbyshire fans because it, it could have been a slightly different game had that not been the case. But again, it wasn't an absolute disaster to start the season. And I do think on this particular occasion, you've just got to tip your cap to Worcestershire County Cricket Club. And another player who gets so many mentions on this podcast, and for good reason, Kieran, is Jake Libby. Jake Libby started the season just as we expected him to. 104 out from 140 in that second innings. Azarali chipping in with 62 from 86. The pair's ultimately chasing down 193 for the loss of just two wickets over the course of 42 overs, a run rate of 4.57. It was a little bit of pairs ball this week, wasn't it, in the East Midlands? <laughs> pairs ball. Uh, yeah, yeah. J- Jake Libby and Azarali runs on the last day. Um, that's basically what, what sealed the game for them. So, you know, after the... the um, first innings where their top order didn't didn't really fire, and then for for them to 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 go so well in in the second innings is a really good sign for them. Yeah, it certainly is. And again, dark horses. Maybe it's an apt description. It really is. But with that being said, I also do think Derbyshire will come back strong. So I think we do have to weigh it up. Obviously, it's a great performance from Worcestershire. They should be very very proud. Obviously, we've seen the the dressing room celebrations. They were ecstatic to get an eight-wicket win to kickstart the season. But again, for Derbyshire, there's definitely lessons, right? And the bowling in particular is the big takeaway for me this week because you can't be conceding 60 extras. With that being said, start of the season, brand new campaign. I thought Hyder Ali looked really impressive as well. I think he'll be a good signing across formats. So again, Derbyshire fans, it's not the end of the world. Plenty of time for your county to come back strong over the course of this summer. But Kieran, aside from that game then, in the East Midlands County of Derbyshire, let's head to our ninth and final game of the opening rounds, which saw Glamorgan play out a very high-scoring draw with Gloucestershire at Sophia Gardens in Cardiff. Now, Glamorgan won the toss, elected to have a bowl first, and this really did pay off in the first innings. The Welsh outfit dismissing Gloucestershire for just 165 runs. Tim van der Hoogden, the Dutch seam bowling sensation, taking 5 for 26 from 17 overs to get Glamorgan's campaign off to an absolute flyer in 2023. As if this wasn't already positive enough for Glamorgan, they then followed this up with a fantastic batting display. Eddie Byram scored 81, Kieran Carson scored 106, Billy Root scored 117 out, as the, the home side scored 404 runs over the course of 108 first innings overs. So at this point in the game, you're thinking Glamorgan are in the ascendancy. They've got a massive, massive lead. It's well over 200 runs. Glamorgan should win this game. But unfortunately for the Welsh fans, Graham Van Buren and the Gloucestershire outfits had different ideas in Wales this week. So Chris Dent, the experienced opener, scored 78 from 100 balls. Marcus Harris, the Victoria opener, scored 148 from 192. And then Graham Van Buren, the Gloucestershire captain, playing a fantastic knock of 110 out from 202 balls to ultimately help Gloucestershire up to a mammoth total of 569 for seven 
over the course of their second innings. So, Kieran, first things first, Gloucestershire's comeback in this game, just how impressed were you with the the fortitude, the resilience, the grits, and the resolve of this West Country outfit in that particular innings? Yeah, very much so. Um, but obviously, after that, that Glamorgan innings, it looked like they'd pretty much battered themselves out of the game. Um, you know, but then you've got kind of Australia test cricketer, kind of not really. He, he He's one that he's not had a lot of success, but um, I believe George Bailey has pretty much touted him as the... As the um, the heir to the Warner Kawaja throne, and you can sort of see why from 148 in the second innings, 59 in the first innings, um, that's a very good basis for for a good score after getting such a big number put past you, um, and then for for Graham Van Buren to to also hit a ton, and then there were some useful contributions around that. Um, it it could have been very easy just to roll over after having been having had such a big score put past you and they could have very easily lost that game had they been bowled out for for an insignificant total but off the back of basically Marcus Harris's good knock at, at the start and then and then Van Buren's they got themselves to into a very good position to not lose that game they really did and, and for Gloucestershire after a disappointing campaign in 2022, ultimately saw them being relegated to the second division, finishing 10th in Division 1. A, a performance like this should give them a lot of, you know, a, a lot of hope. It should give them a lot of hope and it should act as a springboard, I think, for the rest of the season because these are the two teams which in the preview show we expected to be at the top. We expect these two teams to get promoted. And at one point it did seem as though Glamorgan were just going to finish them off. It looked as though it was one-way traffic. So for Gloucestershire to come back, to show that fortitude, show that resolve, I think they deserve an immense amount of credit and they'll be very, very happy to salvage a draw in South Wales this week. But aside from the Gloucestershire perspective, just talking of Glamorgan, obviously they'll be disappointed. You can argue that they did let this game slip through the grasp of their hands. But again, they look good, don't they? They really do look good, Kieran. You look at that batting from 1 to 11, they've got depth. You know, even Tim van der Hoogten can give it a nice slog now and again. But the, the contributions from Eddie Byram, Carlson, Root in the first innings, then even in the second innings, you look at, at Root and Byram yet again, scoring 36 and 39 respectively. They, they just look like a very complete side, don't they? And yes, they'll be disappointed with the bowling, in particular in that second innings. But do you still fancy Glamorgan to be up there as as the title, you know, the title favourites, I suppose? Um, they'll certainly be be up there. Um, I think, as well, there's a couple of players that are yet to come into the Glamorgan side that will make them very strong. Um, and the fact that they've had such a good um, batting performance already... And then if you add in the best test test batter in the world to that batting lineup, they'll be quite good. And then if you also add in quite a, a, a good, another semi-test player, semi-maybe not test player um, in, in Michael Nisa, um, 
that they are that there's some there's some good players that that currently aren't there that will make them very strong. Yeah, they look scary, don't they? Let's be honest, once you're fitting Marnus and Michael Nisa in there, goodness me, Glamorgan do look like a, a sight to behold in the summer of 2023. And I must say, Harry Podmore impressed me as well. I think Harry Podmore, coming back to Glamorgan, had a little stint. I think it was about five or six seasons ago now. I, I do think he's going to fit into that side very nicely. And Tim van der Hoogten, as we mentioned, taking the five in the first innings, very impressive as always, from the Dutch seam bowler. So, in terms of those two sides, I think that was a fair result. I think that Gloucestershire showed a, a great deal of fight to come back in that second innings. And for Glamorgan, they batted well enough to secure the draw. So, yeah, I think that is a fair reflection of where those two sides were at heading into the season. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be an interesting year for both of those sides. Gloucestershire as well. You know, they've got some real good young talents, the likes of Tom Price, the likes of Ajit Dale. You've got the experience of GVB, Chris Dent, Taylor. You've got Miles Hammond coming to the forefront maybe this year. I do expect him to have a better time of it in 2023. Zafa Gohar is a great option as the overseas player. Bowled a couple of beautiful deliveries in this game on a wicket, which wasn't turning absolute miles. And then you bring in Marshawn Talanga. Marchant Delanga, the speed demon, and you just allow him to come in, be the X factor, just give him free reign, as they did in that second innings. I'll tell you what, I think it could be a good season for Gloucestershire County Cricket Club. So fingers crossed that all things go well for both those two counties. It wasn't the most exciting draw of the round, let's be completely honest, but at the same time, two very good sides, two sides vouching for promotion over the course of this summer. And yeah, I do think both those teams will be looking at maybe in the top three, maybe top two for both of them, heading into the conclusion of the summer of 2023. But Kieran, that does bring us to an end of the analysis for today's review show. Just before we end our discussion, we do, of course, have to look at the table for Division 2 at the end of this first round. And fans of Leicestershire County Cricket Club, hang this in the Louvre. Keep this in the personal collection because at the end of the first round, Leicestershire County Cricket Club are top of the Division 2 table on 22 points. In second, and deservedly so, are the pairs of Worcestershire, also on 22 points. In third are Sussex on 21 points. In fourth and fifth, respectively, are Glamorgan and Gloucestershire on 12 points and 8 points. In sixth are Yorkshire on 7 points. In seventh are Durham on 6 points. And bottom of the Division 2 table at the end of the opening round are Derbyshire on five points. So let's face it, the opening round of Division 2 was wild. It was absolutely crazy. Three victories, a high-scoring draw as well. Captivating, thrilling, enthralling cricket to kickstart the summer of 2023. And if Leicestershire and Sussex, those two victories, are anything to go by, it's going to be a very, very difficult division to predict. I know he went with Glamorgan and Gloucestershire, but there's teams in there which in these very, very early days do look as though they could be potential dark horses for promotion. So we personally cannot wait to take you through each and every single round of this year's county championship. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. And I'll tell you what, some of the games next week as well look absolutely mouthwatering. So we've got Durham versus Worcestershire up at the Riverside. We've got Gloucestershire versus Yorkshire in Bristol. We've got Leicestershire versus Derbyshire at the county ground. 
And then in Division 1, we've got the likes of Essex versus Lancashire and Chelmsford. We've got Northlands versus Middlesex at Wantage Road. Knotts versus Somerset at Trent Bridge. Surrey versus Hampshire, the big one at the Kia Oval. And Warwickshire versus Kent at Edgbaston Cricket Ground. So please do stay with us. For the rest of the summer, we've got you covered here at the County Cricket Podcast. Myself and Kieran and, of course, Matt will be here to take you through each and every single one of the big moments, the key performances and the major talking points from the summer of 2023. But, Kieran, that is essentially it for today's episode of the County Cricket Podcast. Just one final thing for me to mention as well, listeners, is from next week onwards, we will, of course, have our cricket draft segment as well. I'm very, very happy to bring that back in 2023 because it is early days from the second round onwards. We're going to start giving a shout out, a quick shout out at the end of each podcast to the top three. So if you haven't already entered the league, please feel free to do that. You can find the link to that in the podcast description below. But Kieran, before we say our final goodbyes for the recording, a bumper recording, it has to be said to kickstart the season. Do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, website, businesses, any of that good stuff? Uh, I would like everyone to follow the Finley Bean for England train. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's all. That's I'm I'm all in now. Fair enough. I, I'm not surprised that you are after comparing him to the the next Alistair Cook in in waiting. Goodness me, no pressure at all there, Finn. But I'll tell you what, he's a very very good prospect. So yeah, very very excited to see how Finn Bean does progress over the course of this summer. But that is it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for today's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you ever so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>